Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series. Series 8, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey. Mama. Time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your parents. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night with the Living People, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness and the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how's it going? It's going good. Taking care of business, TCB. Taking care of business every oh, day. Yeah. Yep, nice. yep. Excellent. And joining us again, I'm so happy to say it, is my good friend, John. John, how are you doing? Guys... I'm realizing I don't care about Star Wars as much as I thought I did. And that's funny. I, I'm kind of not caring about Stranger Things as much as I thought I did. Oh, I mean, add add that to me, too. I, I am trying <laughs> to find the will to watch these shows. And, I mean, every Stranger Things episode is apparently a movie. And I'm I'm good yeah. for now I, until I feel left out. And then maybe I'll start watching. That is fair. That's, that's kind of been my mentality is, like, I'm just not really feeling it right now. Yeah. There's mm. so much other chaos in the world right now that I don't want to see mm. more chaos yes um so i'm just i'll get to it but maybe just not this weekend yeah or mm. next month maybe mm. <laughs> so we're talking about netflix i can't remember if you even have that um i get it at mom's house pretty oh, much fair. yeah fair and then obviously disney plus because the new the obi-wan mm. series yeah i can't i can't i don't know it's not not feeling it I right now i don't know i'm very confused I've I've heard some good things about that. I've heard so great things, but I'm just yeah. like I don't I don't know. Well, not that I've seen either of the movies, but uh, the Top Gun stuff going on these days really oh, made yeah. me crave playing the old NES Top Gun video game. Oh my uh, goodness! Oh, that was such a good <laughs> game. Mm. I could hear the music in my mm-hmm. head right now because I have an NES and I have that. Mm. Game. Nice. Um, which unfortunately probably will not release a Top Gun two. For the NES, probably not. Soon. Probably <laughs> not. But uh, John, didn't you and did you and Lauren see? I have not seen it. L- Lauren, okay. Has. I, Lauren saw it. Okay, I wasn't sure. I assumed yes. you guys went together. No, 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 no. Um, and it sounded like she really liked it. She loved it. Mm. All right. Yeah. Nice. I will. Nice. We will. Yeah, that... We will go see it at some point. I just don't know when. Right. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, guys, been up to anything interesting this past month? Anything exciting? I mean, I saw you last week. I oh, yeah. <laughs> we got to see each other outside of a uh, Gallifrey One convention as we both went to uh, the wedding of some good friends of ours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that it was. was. It was, was very nice. Yeah, definitely. And and I loved it because you know Lauren and 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 Peter and other friends of ours got to meet my family. You know, they'd only heard about them in me telling stories and stuff. So it's great for them to, to all meet. So that was a happy time. Yeah. And I, I hadn't seen the family in years. I can't even yeah, remember it had, it was, I I can't remember if I don't think you had moved down to LA yet. No, I had not. No. Yeah. So a while. So, a while. That's for sure. A long That's while. That's for sure. Well, gentlemen, we've got lots to get into. 
uh, this month. But before we do that, have you had any weird experiences in the past month, Seb? Um, I guess the only thing this past month was just, I mean, for all, all of us, in a sense, Congress held the first public hearings on UFOs since uh, since 1966, the first time in, I guess, all of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but, you know, um, not too not too exciting, I guess. Uh, kind of mundane. You know, honestly, I kind of put the live stream on while I was starting work that day. And, like, I turned around and it was like, okay, we're taking a break. The closed door session is, like after lunch and i'm like it's 7 30 in the morning over here you guys it's <laughs> like that was that was nothing like, <laughs> you guys talked a little bit mentioned some stuff that mm, i might you know have issue with and that was it and then mm. there was the closed door and i'm like oh okay so this is just for show yeah mm. okay it's kind of what it seems there's a little bit of a letdown to me personally but interesting yeah yeah what about you john anything yeah, I actually did have one. I I think it would be a synchronicity. Yeah, uh, happened to me. I was working and I was updating a a clearance grid, and I was watching the showdown. And I got to a part where I went, "Oh, these these individuals." I need to follow up with the team on and I went to go open my email and I had the email releases that I needed from, uh, yeah, like almost to the minute of me going, Oh, I should follow up on this and clicked. And there they were like, they had just been. Hmm. Yeah. It was very, wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) Ask and you shall receive. Yes. I mean, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, I, I haven't had anything like excessively weird but i will say i i I have now gotten two of my co-workers hooked on hellier oh cool nice uh one of them is still kind of early stages in watching it kind of hard to find time with family and everything to kind of like carve out and be like okay i'm gonna sit down and watch this um the other one pretty much binged the series in a week Mm. and was like you know every morning i'd be sitting there working and then like a team's message would come in and be like hey i've gotten through this far this thing oh my god it's so weird and we talk about it for a little bit and then get back to work so it was it was very cool and and obviously they're they're both listening to the podcast now too so nice oh sweet hello co-workers um yeah i'll never turn down an opportunity to get someone hooked on this excellent excellent show yeah (laughs) well anyway speaking of hellier we can't properly navigate the road to hellier without taking a left at exit 93 and looping our way into the underground darrow's tarot's a quick pass through downtown lemuria Be be sure to check out the famous rock shop to find ourselves uh in some serious liminal space now whether Richard Schaefer was really whisked away to an underground wonderland where he became a hero and returned with a manifesto and evidence of an ancient mother language, or whether it was the product of a mind racked by grief, both possibility cause us to wonder about the nature of liminal spaces, both physical and non-physical, as well as what it means to have a paranormal experience. Buckle up, grab some road snacks, because... With the Shaver mystery. That's right, folks. I have sound bites again. <laughs> we have sound bites. Get a little Jamiroquai this month. Love it. <laughs> the moment we decided we were doing the Shaver mystery, that song popped into my head, and I'm like, yep, I'm going to carve out some clips. So I will be completely upfront with everybody. May was such a kind of insane month um, that I personally did not dig uh, very heavily beyond what I already knew. Uh, of the Shaver mystery. Seb, however, did some 
excellent research. Oh, thank you. Uh, and so, Seb, I'd kind of like to hand the floor over to you just to kind of like, you know, give us a little bit of background on Richard Shaver, of his life, because as I was going through what you had put in the notes, like things were kind of like just pinging really loudly for me being like, ooh, I feel like I'm seeing a pattern of experiences that may shape what he proceeds to experience. Yeah, I mean, the, the story of Richard Sharp Shaver, it's... It's well known to some folks, probably not well known to a lot of other folks, but it's so bizarre and interconnected with the history of things like science fiction, conspiracy theories, and even outsider art that probably the best way to organize all of this massive information is maybe to kind of just plug through his life story in a chronological format. And that's kind of what I tried to do with, with the show notes this month. Um, and it starts out pretty pretty normally. He's born in in 1907, October 8th in Berwick, Pennsylvania. And he eventually becomes a figure very controversial. Um, some people think that um, he was a charlatan. Some people think that he was mentally ill. Some people think that he discovered the secret history of the earth and humanity as a whole. Um, and no pun intended because uh, hole is sort of down where all of the action is happening underground, underground civilizations, um, tunnels, all sorts of uh, eerie cave things going on, which definitely ties it into Hellier for for any maybe first time listeners to our podcast. Uh, we, we here at the uh, All Night with the Living Geeks are big fans of the the show Hellier, and um, we are in our road to Hellier. There, there's so much to talk about before we get to episodes on the topic of that series uh we've been delving into different topics including mothman men in black and now richard sharp shaver amongst others uh just to kind of lay the groundwork for all of that um so what kind of stuff has happened through his life um to kind of like lead him to where he goes right right so um just uh before i get started there's a basically his biographer is a gentleman by the name of richard toronto and he's written some amazing books that's where i've gotten most of my information tonight if anybody's interested in wanting to learn more definitely recommend you you look him up online and check out some of his publications so and I, will shaver, have, I will have links to some of his stuff in the show notes by the way perfect perfect yeah so shaver starts out um working as a welder on an assembly line at the Ford Auto Plant up in uh, Dearborn, Michigan. And in 1929, he starts taking drawing classes at a smart, uh, small art academy in Detroit. He takes classes up until 1932. Um, in 1932, he actually marries his art school teacher, uh, Sophie Gervich. And then, yep. And so <laughs> his life's plugging along. You know, he's got a job. He's got a wife. You know, things look pretty good. Um, and then we get to the year 1934, by all accounts, that's kind of like a turning point in the history of Shaver's life. Um, his beloved older brother is murdered tragically. Um, his daughter Evelyn is born and Shaver begins hearing voices mm. and um, his in-laws are, are, are very concerned by this and they convince his wife to commit Shaver to, to, um, to a mental hospital, to the Ypsilanti State Hospital. Um, and then things get even more <clears throat> tragic for, for Mr. Shaver. Um, his wife accident, accidentally electrocutes herself to death. Oh, my jeez! His in-laws assume legal custody of Shaver's daughter, and he never sees her again, basically. Wow. So, so first of all, he's lost his, his freedom, his wife, his daughter, his brother, and he's hearing voices. So, so right, right off the bat, here's a gentleman that's 
his life is just overcome with all sorts of grief, basically. You yeah. Know? Had, you had some really good points on this part, I thought, too. Well, you know? yeah, like right off the bat, you know, you've in, in 34 with his, his older brother being murdered, um, you know, he, he has the birth of a daughter. There's that new, uh, you know, experience of being a father. That's, that's a tough adjustment for some, you know, and, and he starts hearing voices like while, if I remember correctly, while he's literally on um, the assembly line. And it's like, he's, he's almost kind of like hearing it through the welder. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, like there's some sort of like frequency thing that's going on. And, and he starts hearing these voices talking about um, like, you know, causing um, mayhem and dismay and like uh, causing, you know, uh, I don't want to say sadness, but I, it, it's, it's what he's hearing or what are the, the Darrow's, which is these, these underground inhabitants, these detrimental robots, where the term comes from uh, and connecting that with what is happening here in his, in his greater life. I get the feeling that there's like some unresolved grief at the core of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, on top of that, he's committed to a state hospital. His wife accidentally electrocutes herself. Like the grief just kind of continues to pile on. His daughter mm-hmm. is basically taken away from him. Mm-hmm. He never sees mm-hmm. her again. And, and I, I have this, this feeling, this sense just from reading this um, and kind of putting together my own thoughts on it is that this grief um, combined with being committed to a state hospital and having your family stripped away from you mm-hmm. has kind of created this liminal space. Mm-hmm. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of, he's kind of nowhere. He's so in between everything um, that in, in some ways you can kind of like look at what's going on is that his mind is trying to cope with these experiences, mm-hmm. right? He's had this trauma, um, this, you know, psychic trauma and, and his, his mind is just trying to make sense of things. Right. And, and, and so you could you could argue that all of this that he's hearing these voices and stuff there that they're all happening in his mind. In another way, I think you can look at it is that what this does is kind of opens him up to contact from the phenomena. Mm. And there comes a point where I go, well, where do you where do you make that delineation? Where do you make that? Uh, where do you draw the line between one and the other? Mm, mm-hmm. Because it, we it, can't quite tell. Mm-hmm. In, in in Shaver's telling, the voices that he hears from this welding torch on the job, you know, as you said, they, they, they say things that are very sadistic, but it's really terrifying because if I understand it correctly, the way that Shaver's hearing these voices, he's hearing them as if he's um, eavesdropping on a conversation between other entities. And then mm. the entities become aware that he can hear them. And then they kind of go after him. So I always just picture it in my head as if it was a, a movie or a motion picture and just how terrifying that must be basically. Um, oh, yeah. So, mm, um, so Shaver, so he's in this hospital and he basically manages to flee the hospital and flees up North to Canada. Um, eventually he's caught and he's actually thrown in another place the, the Ionia state hospital for the criminally insane. And while he's in the uh, second state hospital, he claims that he was spirited away by a non-human being that materialized before him, a luminescent alien female floating in his cell. Uh, Shaver calls her Nydia. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, Works for me. And she offered to help him escape as long as he agreed to accompany her to a mysterious place to, quote, help her people, unquote. 
And she, so she so was, on, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, hang on. We got, we got to look at this just for a second yeah. because, um, and, and also going, going to the point that you were making about the, uh, the voices he's hearing kind of taking notice of him. Mm. Right. How many times have we heard the idea that when you start kind of looking into the phenomena, it's almost like the phenomena looks back. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So he's kind of eavesdropping, let's say, on the phenomena and the phenomena goes, oh, you've noticed me. I see you, you know, Indeed. and that really makes you kind of wonder, you know, if there's a, a little bit of veracity to things in terms of uh, the phenomena. Um, but yeah, a, a, a luminescent alien female floating and she's like, hey, I'll help you escape. But you got to come help. Right. You got you got you got to get underground with me and help my people. That's right. He sure is. <laughs> he sure is. Oh, man. <laughs> so in his telling, Shaver at this point says, hey, let's do it. And he claims to have lived amongst what he will eventually call Taros. And we'll talk a little bit about what Taros and Daros are all about. Um, for about a year, learning about their culture, their technology, um, deep under the surface of the earth, basically. Um, Nydia gave him access to their history through ancient relics called thought records, which are historical documents that get inputted directly into his brain. And I thought you had a really good point on this 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 topic too. Yeah, definitely, definitely, because <clears throat> it is worth noting um, that this kind of direct input is something that we've seen across experience phenomena, whether it be uh, uh, channeling. Um, Estes sessions or God helmet sessions. Like a- anytime somebody talks about like, you know, uh, getting like an information download from like the Akashic record, um, or they talk about like the third order Schumann resonance that we were um, talking about, I think last month or the month before is that there is kind of this interconnectedness of all intelligent mind on some level like that, this, this idea mm. of thought record Mm-hmm. Um, and and stuff being directly input. Like I, I think about, um, oh, what is it? The um, Rendlesham incident. Right. U- UFO sighting around about Christmas 1980, I think it was, in the UK. Um, one of the gentlemen there claims to, I believe, touch this little craft that is sitting there, and, and instantly he's got a bunch of binary code dumped into his brain that he then writes out from memory. Wow. And it's like pages and pages. This isn't like a little, like a, like a 10 digit string of number. Huh. This is pages of information that he claims were kind of basically input directly into his brain by touching this object. Wow. So, yeah, there's, there's kind of a little something there that kind of makes mm. me wonder because we see this kind of uh, 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 experience repeated across multiple uh, encounters. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so Shaver, you know, he's, he's, he's getting all of these thought records and eventually he returns to the Earth's surface in his telling. And he begins writing a manifesto, and it's it, he. The title for it is "A Warning to Future Man," and he actually includes in this manifesto um, an ancient alphabet that he calls Mantong, M-A-N-T-O-N-G, uh-huh. and uh, like he could... dialect of Chinese. <laughs> well, he he claims it's the ancient mother tongue of our forgotten Earth ancestors, basically. Mm. Um, and so, fast forward, uh, it's 1943. Uh, Shaver, he gets released finally from this this asylum. He he gets a steady job with the Bethlehem Steel Company of Pennsylvania, 
and he gets married again to to a to an, a lady named Dorothy, and they eventually they're lifelong spouses. Basically, he basically finds his you know uh, happy you know relationship situation, and he mm. starts mailing letters um, to a well-known American science fiction magazine called Amazing Stories. So he's writing all these letters. And there's uh, it's published in Chicago by an outfit called the Ziff Davis Publishing Company. Um, and the later the letters get opened by this associate editor there named Howard Brown. And Howard Brown opens these letters and here here's Shaver's tales of having gone under the earth and all of the things that he's learned. And he thinks that he's a crackpot. He thinks he's crazy. And he he tosses these letters into the trash. And then something happens, which sometimes we like to think about history turning on you know, like a knife's edge, you know, basically, um, because basically there's a, the editor of Amazing Stories, Ray Palmer, actually, he's overhearing um, his colleague talk about this, these letters dismissively, and he jumps into the trash pan, the, you know, waste paper basket and fishes these letters out, basically. That's um, a big waste paper back there. Yeah. Yeah. He, could, he jumped, well, Ray, Ray Palmer, uh, <laughs> you know, the Adam, yes, he just shrunk. He, oh, okay. Yes, I was gonna say, or he—he he is just. I don't think he's actually, you know, a short person uh, that could just jump in there. Right. But uh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Seth. No, no. Yeah, and and it's he. Palmer is um, in his own right a fascinating character. He's sort of like the P.T. Barnum of early science fiction in America. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, um, and he thinks that this story that Shaver is relaying is just fascinating, and he. Palmer takes Shaver's writings and he reworks it. And then he publishes it in the March 1945 issue of Amazing Stories under the title, I Remember Lemuria. Um, and Lemuria, if I can pronounce it correctly, uh, <laughs> Lemuria is a fascinating concept, which, I mean, it might it might be nice to just spend a second to t- tell some of our listeners about it. Uh, yeah, th- yeah, please. Th- basically, as far as I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, before scientists in the mid 20th century understood the whole thing about continental drift and, you know, South America and Africa used to be connected and then they spread apart through volcanics, Mm -hmm. so-and-so and and what and what. There were scientists, I think back in the 1800s, who were um, puzzled and intrigued that there were so many different similar species of, of lemurs, you know, those cute animals at the zoo, Love. In different continents, and they thought that there may have been like a gigantic prehistoric supercontinent that connected all these places, and that lemurs could have walked around and crossed and stuff. And then maybe this continent broke up or sunk into the ocean, something like that. And it's my understanding that this idea of Lemuria, a lost continent, gets picked up by a lot of um, esoteric types in the late 1800s, theosophists, people like that, mm-hmm. and it becomes sort of a um, like almost like a mystical thing, basically. I'm probably doing a poor job of explaining Lemuria. No, um, I don't think you necessarily are, because what I know of it is that it, it like, you know, post its disappearance, as it were, kind of like Atlantis, um, you know, the, the inhabitants kind of uh, move underground, hmm. uh, under Mount Shasta, for example. Uh, there are lots and lots of people who believe that there are, and there are, you know, volcanic tube caves and stuff mm-hmm. um, at Mount Shasta. Um, a lot of people see it as a very mystical place. I'll, I mean, I've been up there a handful of times, and and there is kind of this allure mm-hmm. of the area. I will totally vouch for that. 
Um, and I, I have I have to point out I, this was a really kind of a weird synchronicity. I should have thrown this up in mm. the what's weird uh, in our in our past month section, but but it fits better here. Um, a a listener and fan of the show uh, goes by the Cha Cha Witch on Twitter. Um, lives down on the central coast of California here, and was like and just messaged the um, the podcast account um, out of the blue and was like, "Hey, if you guys ever do an episode on Lemuria, um, I, I'd be willing to go check out some of these places down here on the Central Coast." And included a screenshot of a web page, and I think I linked it in the show notes. Yes, because it's way down in my uh, my little ramble there uh the lemuria energy journeys.com um so if you check out that link and it's very kind of slightly geo cities look thanks pyrus fawn um uh she was like hey if you guys ever do an episode on lemuria i'll i'll be happy to go check out some of these places wow and like report back on what i find and what it's like and i was like it's so funny you bring that up Mm. Like, because we are just about to record on the Shaver mystery. And it was kind of like, whoa, really? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but we may very well circle back to Lemuria. So we may take you up on it. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so so there are there are people, let's put it this way. There are people who believe that it's not just stuff concentrated in a single location. I know a lot of mm. people talk Mount Shasta when they talk Lemuria. Um, but apparently there are spots along the central coast um, that people claim have their the, like our lemurian temples mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it is one of those things that is um i don't know kind of rooted in like a deeper what a a, a deeper legend mm-hmm. perhaps because there's a lot of similarity with like atlantis that's that's the one that yeah. comes to mind mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway go ahead i just had to interject that real quick no 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 that's great yeah no i think you're totally right um there, there was a gentleman, Frederick Spencer Oliver, this is fascinating. In 1905, he writes a book, A Dweller on Two Planets, about survivors mm. of the lost continent of Lemuria who lived in tunnels under California's Mount Shasta. Um, it's really fascinating, though, because apparently Shaver uses the word Lemuria to describe not a lost continent, but the entire his planet Earth, which is kind of fascinating. Mm. Um, but anyway, so, so Ray Palmer takes Shaver's writings, he kind of reworks it, re-edits it or whatever, um, publishes it in 1945 in Amazing Stories in the March issue, and it catches fire. It goes viral. I don't know if you can go viral in 1945, but if you could, this would have gone viral. <laughs> and cir- circulation jumps. It goes from about 100 and f- 135,000 uh, copies to 185,000 copies. Between about 1945 and 1948, about 75% of all the issues of Amazing Stories feature... Um, shaver mystery content almost to the near exclusion of any other topic and uh richard toronto who i mentioned earlier in his uh, 2013 book called war over lemuria gives kind of a a really nice um brief summary of sort of shavers um the general thesis of his the shaver mystery and if it's all right with you guys i'm, I'm going to read a quote from it i thought it, i think yeah. it's pretty interesting yeah do um so according to Toronto, quote, Shaver's voices explained that prior to the deluge of Noah, Noah's flood, mm-hmm. an advanced civilization flourished under the leadership of three races, the Atlans, Titans, and Nortans. These beings came from somewhere in deep space and lived happily on Earth until the neighborhood went to hell in a handbasket. The sun <laughs> began to spew 
radioactive particles that were deadly to their existence. Their bodies, once immortal, began to age. This would never do, and their learned ones sought an immediate solution. At first, they avoided the sun by retreating underground, constructing vast cavern systems within the Earth's crust. This is the where they lived and worked for many years, until finally leaving the Earth forever, preferring the security of dark space as far from our deadly sun as possible. Shaver's incredible story of Earth's history was just a prequel. There were stragglers that somehow missed out on the migration to space. Some continued to live underground in the caverns constructed by the elders. Others moved back to the sun-drenched surface. These surface dwellers became human beings as we know them today. But underground, there was a big problem. Many of the stragglers, Shaver calls them, (laughs) I'm going to mispronounce this, abandonderos, turned into evil mutants poisoned by the contamination of their radiation filtering system. The cave people split into two groups, Taros, which were positive, and Daros, which are negative. Shaver's Mantong alphabet defines a Darrow as a, quote, detrimental robot, unquote. That is, someone whose mind is controlled by the destructive emanations of the sun. Even worse, the Daros have access to the Atlan's incredible machines left behind in the caves. These, quote-unquote, mech, as Shaver calls them, now in the hands of Daros, inflict invisible rays on surface folk even today, controlling us in various ways. Mech can eavesdrop on one's innermost thoughts, transmit physical sensations, healing rays, or instant death. There's even one kind of mech that can put thoughts into a person's mind, and it's called a, quote, telog, but I'm probably mispronouncing it. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really, I mean, that's probably the quickest way to summarize his mystery, but it's... I, much, much more Baroque and, and elaborate than just that. I first became aware of the sh- general outlines of the Shaver mystery when I was a, a, a young 14-year-old kid reading some of Jerome Clark's books. And honestly, my first reaction was that Darrow's and Tarot sound sounded a lot like the, the Eloy and the Morlocks from the 1960 film The Time Machine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I will um, give you that. Um, yeah. I will give you that. Question, John, what question. do you think? You, yeah. you said there were three races. What were they again? Yes, the, the races. They were the the Atlans, mm. the Titans, and the Nortens. So Atlans, maybe Atlantis, Titans, like I mean, like and, Titans and Nortens. Yeah. That that kind of sounds almost like Norse. Norse oh. gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay. Right. I'll give you okay. that. That's very possible. might be a reach, is, but yeah. You know what? I just I think it's I think it's hilarious um, that. The the sun just randomly starts emanating radioactive particles when it is a just a giant nuclear furnace <laughs> in space anyway. Yeah. Um, and suddenly all these people are like, Oh man, I'm aging, I'm getting wrinkles, I got a sunburn, I'm <laughs> out of here, I'm going deeper <laughs> underground. Right. They all sang in yeah. unison. So that's, they that. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. That, that was a that was an actual recording yeah. of these people as they're fleeing, <laughs> and they were singing, and they were all dancing like J.K. Yes, uh, but synchronized, of course. Otherwise, <laughs> they will totally crash into each other, and that's just a whole mess. Um, it's interesting because it's when you start looking at like this this darrow technology and they're like underground gundams or something uh you know it's like pacific rim but underground yeah and right um i i feel like i feel like this story has created technology 
that can basically be used to describe like any sort of bad feelings you have about yourself or oh i just had this random pain in my side it must be darrow you know it's <laughs> like mm-hmm. oh i'm i'm my 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 self-esteem's just kind of crap today darn those darrows darrows <clears throat> ah how could you <laughs> um curse you um and 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 again i I think there are certainly elements of this that that certainly feel like they have a veracity to them because we kind of have some of these things repeated in other people's experiences. But I feel like, and I see it kind of, well, no, I take that back. I see it in most eras of of studying weirdness is that there is a an element of people who have these experiences and recount them to the world um, who kind of just don't want to take responsibility for what they're feeling or what they're experiencing. And so it's like, oh, it must be the Dara. Right, right. Uh, there's been a number of, a number of uh, writers who have looked at Shaver's you know, claims and have seen embedded within them possibly elements of mental illness, maybe schizophrenia, some of the the thought processes of people that suffer from, from that disease, you know, thinking that there are machines out there that are controlling one's thoughts or controlling the thoughts of other people right Um, people who feel like they've had you know directed attack uh, mm -hmm. on them you know they they say it's the government but who knows it could be you know underground mutants who you know didn't put on enough spf (laughs) and presumably presumably if his theory is correct we ourselves as humans are descendants of these uh, these space creatures, which is kind of an interesting right. thought as well. Yeah, yeah, right. Who knew? Huh. And um, the, the 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 Shaver mystery, once it gets published in the in the forties, it becomes incredibly controversial amongst the readers of of the Amazing Stories magazine. Um, for one thing, some people do point out that there are science fiction publications that have very similar plot outlines to what Shaver's claiming. There's a 1935 story by a guy named Stanton Koblenz called, called In Caverns Below. There's a 1940 novella by H.P. Lovecraft called The Mound, which is intensely similar to the Shaver mystery. And Tay, you made a good point. You brought up the Edadorpa thing, which yeah. hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly too no you totally pronounce it correctly edadorpa is a uh, late 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 19th century or at least that's when it was published um book um that gets mentioned in hellier um and it it it's basically um you know a, a gentleman in um the cincinnati area uh is actually taken down to the mammoth cave system in kentucky um uh, and i think i've got a copy of the pdf but i mean it's it's late 19th century writing it's kind of dense and a little dry at times um but he's basically um taken like on these even underground uh waterways on a very silvery boat right you, you hear something silvery yeah. you go is this just a ufo right this right is a ufo isn't it um and and literally like as he's down there um effectively like meets like goblin yeah 
right? And it's it's very like if I could see Guillermo del Toro doing like you know his rendition of Edadorpa someday, like which would be insane. Because Ooh, it'd yeah, be even more terrifying than the book itself makes it sound. So yeah, I mean, we again, this is all this kind of um, underground uh, culture and experiences, and just you you think of everything associated with kind of passing into the underworld. You know, if you want to mythologize it where it's a transformational space mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. right it's a liminal space it's a transformational space uh and and i i get it i mean we before uh covid um the wife and i took our son to a place called moaning caverns up here in the gold country and you basically go down this like it's like a hundred foot staircase built from the steel of an old world war one battleship um into this big cave and you know there's a whole presentation and they point stuff out um and it's it's disconcerting because they're talking about how far away certain like you know named stalactites and stuff are and you're like there's no way that that's that far away that looks so much closer so there's this disorientation that kind of happens down there and then at one point they shut all the lights off they turn all the lights off and you just sit there in the dark oh wow and i'm like oh yeah this is this is kind of spooky i see why people kind of have this uh you know there's this kind of legend there's this kind of like uh mythology of 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 the cave being a place where these kind of crazy experiences can happen because it did feel really weird. Oh, that's amazing. Um, totally recommend visiting there like once it's all safe if it isn't already down. Um, but yeah, so obviously he's got a lot of influences that we, I mean, do we have any proof that he'd read any of these things? Um, in the research that I've, I, 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 I did, I wasn't able to um, pin that down really. Um, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, because I, I know it, it, he claims to first hear voices in 34, right. Which at least predates, uh, in caverns below and the mouth. That's true. That's a good point. So, yeah. but but he doesn't write out his experiences and submit them until what was it, forty three, forty five? No. Yeah, he, so he, he first wrote... he first starts mailing in forty three. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to go back and look. Um, so maybe maybe he reads the stuff in the meantime. It's 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 difficult to say because even there, you have to wonder how much of the Shaver mystery writings you can attribute to Shaver himself or to Palmer, you know, because Palmer's is basically polishing a lot of this stuff. So how much of it is maybe potentially being embellished? Um, that, that's kind of yeah. one of the parts of the big controversy because, well, basically what happens is once these articles start getting published, first of all, thousands and thousands of letters start pouring into the Amazing Stories offices in, in Chicago from readers who claim that they too hear voices in their heads. And this convinces uh-huh. Palmer of the truth of Shaver's tale to an extent. Now, Richard Toronto, who I mentioned earlier, the writer, he actually has an interesting point. He suggests that Amazing Stories becomes a kind of unintentional support group for sufferers of auditory hallucinations. About 4% of the, the, the population suffers from some form of auditory hallucinations. And actually... Um, there wasn't even a support group proper for those folks until 1990 when something called the Hearing Voices Network got set up. Which is a great um, name. <laughs> it is a great name. You're right. Um, and 
uh, I didn't mention this in the show notes, but there's a really bad audio quality video on YouTube. It's a recording of a mid fifties episode of the long John Neville radio program. It's the, and it was the first time that Palmer and Shaver um, uh, sat down for a radio interview to talk about the Shaver mystery. Mm-hmm. And Palmer actually goes on to say how um, on a later visit to Shaver's home in Pennsylvania, he too heard the Darrow's voices himself. So he became even more convinced of the truth of Shaver's tales. Um, Shaver told, would go on to talk about how the Darrow's had kidnapped thousands of Americans and were holding them as slaves underground. And even went so far as to claim that the FBI sent agents out to investigate some of these missing persons cases and the FBI agents were never heard of again either. Um, so now, now we've not only explained that we've explained all the, all the missing 411. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's all the Darrow's. <laughs> and so Shaver, the Shaver mystery explodes. Shaver mystery clubs start popping up in cities across America. Um, many science fiction fans are outraged. They're convinced that the Shaver mystery is a hoax and it will tarnish the literary respectability they hope for science fiction authors and writings. Um, there's even one Shaver proponent who comes out of the woodwork, an interesting character named Fred Lee Chrisman, who was a, a military veteran. And he claimed in letters published by both Amazing Stories and Harper's Magazine to have fought off Darrow's with a submachine gun in an underground, underground cave in Burma during World War II, which is just... Um, and Chrisman himself is just... I mean, Taylor, you had a really good point about Chrisman's... Uh, other activities as well. Um, well, yeah. I mean, uh, Chrisman, you may recognize that name from our Men in Black episode because mm. he was, Chrisman was also involved in the Maury Island incident, which is a, a pre uh, Roswell, not just UFO sighting, but literally stuff fell from one of these alleged craft uh, um, and damaged a boat and killed a dog. Yes. And Chrisman talks about literally having breakfast at a diner with a men and just hanging out, just hanging out <laughs> and, and yeah, you know, sharing pancake uh, and drinking coffee and having pie. Oh wait, no, that's Twin Peaks, mm. which I mean, <laughs> honestly, not far you, off. you look, not far off. I mean, really, you, you look at some of the Shaver mystery stuff and, you know, here are these underground creatures who want to, you know, cause unhappiness in, in, in human and, and, and cause them harm and almost, almost kind of delight in bringing out, you know, pain, this, this kind of sadistic thing. And, and you see a lot of those parallels mm-hmm. uh, in Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. um, except Twin Peaks has got a lot more uh, creamed corn. Mm. Um, so yeah, Chrisman Kr- here, this is, this is weird because we get kind of get this first kind of crossover character mm. between some of our topics here. Um, and, and I think Seb, you had said that it kind of reminds, um, it reminds you kind of like the, uh, Greenfield interview with Terry wrist mm. about you know, right. Terry Betts attacking the Darrow's inside a cave up in Georgia. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. This kind of links into the the whole road to hellier thing. I mean, so yeah. for for listeners to our our episode who maybe aren't totally familiar with Hellier yet, um, the, at least the first season kind of um, features a, a great deal relating to a book published in the mid nineteen nineties, um, uh, and and in the um, called the Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. And in that book, mm. there is the tale of a gentleman by the name of Terry. Um, wrist or Reese, I'm not sure how to properly pronounce it. Um, I go with wrist. Wrist, yeah. Um, who basically 
you know, tells a story about uh, military vets going into a cave in the area of White County, Georgia, and attacking Darrow's, um, just like Chrisman. And Chrisman, I mean, Chrisman even gets mixed up in the JFK assassination. There's researchers who back in the day were claiming that he was one of those like weird, like hobo type people that they found on boxcars or something like that. Oh, so. no kidding. Oh yeah, he, it's it's a weird story. We're we're gentlemen. Uh, maybe we maybe we're gonna have to do an episode just on Chrisman and just kind of break this down Jeez. at some point. That's interesting. I, you know, something else that's worth noting um, is is kind of not necessarily just in this era, but you know there is a surge in kind of hollow earth theories. And I, I personally don't put a ton of stock into them myself, but there are a large number of alleged sightings where a light or a craft appears to go into a mountain or into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, and there's enough of those that you can't just quite ignore them. So, you know, maybe there is something to that. This And it's maybe it's not like a, perfectly hollow earth you know maybe it is just you know a bunch of cave system well uh, i mean i just sent you that that article yes yeah i can't believe i hadn't heard about that i couldn't this, either this, the, tell us about it john so uh, apparently in and i think this was this was a couple of this was 18 days ago there was a giant sinkhole with a forest inside of it found in china um, and I believe the sinkhole is 192 meters deep, which is 630 feet. Um, that's pretty deep. Um, that, that, that is pretty deep. And they have pictures of it. This article, unfortunately, only has one picture. I know there are a couple of other ones, but it is absolutely insane that there's just like I will a... make a point. Go ahead. I'll make a point of putting that link in the show notes. Yeah, I'll see if there's a, if there's a diff, different slash better one, but I know they're they're in the process of uh, you know maybe going down there and seeing what's going on. But it looks like it has its own ecosystem, kind of. It's very that's amazing. It's very weird. It's very interesting and i mean yeah it was it's who knows what else is down there right i'm not saying i i think the earth is hollow but i mean you know in king kong versus godzilla king kong (laughs) goes through the center of the earth (laughs) into a portal um so i mean who knows right that was based on real life stuff right of course yeah what you're saying is, (laughs) is even king kong went deeper under he did He absolutely did. But this like in all seriousness, this is this is crazy. Apparently some of the trees are like 131 feet tall. Jeez. Like that's huge. This it's it's pretty nuts that this exists. I also think it's even nuttier that it's just like I guess not a lot of people know about this. Right? Um because this is I mean, the the sub headline on this is species unknown to science could be hiding in this gaping hole. And it's like, yeah, you think Um, Um, about that hole? Yeah. So I don't I don't know what's uh, what's going on. And it's like, where else? What? It's deep enough to swallow the St. Louis Gateway Arch. Wow. So there you go. Gosh. Yeah. I, I will be entirely honest. Speaking of questionable holes, um, one of these months we will do an episode on a legendary uh, place called Mel's Hole, mm. which Seb may recognize the name of. And John, if you do, I'll be impressed. But I feel like that was... when we were first talking about um, do you know episodes for this show, 
this mm-hmm. was one of the topics we had spoken about. Probably there, there was a, a, a series of um, uh, episodes of, of Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM in which he talked to a gentleman who claimed to live, I think, in eastern Washington state somewhere. Um, and he had what is allegedly a bottomless hole on his property. That's right. With yeah. That's right. I remember that. Very weird property, uh, including uh, the ability to bring some things back to life. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, it, it kind of it kind of rings a little bit of that uh, Amazon Prime show Open Range, mm. uh, which I haven't seen. I've only read a bit about, um, and it's not exactly like a bottom pit, but I won't give spoilers to anybody who's thinking about watching. Um, just know that it is weird for sure. But anyway, anyways, to, we, weird holes aside. Um, <laughs> yes. Where, 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 do, where do things go next with um, the Shaver mystery? Because if we've got a lot of people going, Hey, I've had a similar experience, uh-huh. but if, if for, if for some reason Shaver's tail polished by Ray Palmer is effectively not real and we can debate what constitutes a real experience how do we account for all these people who say oh i've had something just like that i think that's a great question i think i think that that's something that um for those who maybe are in shaver's you know camp or whatever and arguing in behalf of his his theories Mm -hmm. i mean you can't necessarily just um excuse away you know thousands of people writing in saying hey i'm hearing this too basically you know yeah. Um I know that I know that um John Keel was a big um uh um I don't want to say opponent but uh, he he was a, he was a big critic of the Shaver mystery. Okay. Um and he even he even claims that Ray Palmer um invented uh flying saucers which is which is a pretty a pretty strong claim. Um, wow. Yeah. I I think basically his argument is that in the months before um uh 1947, the big flap of modern UFO sightings, mm-hmm. you know, Palmer is having a lot of cover art on amazing stories featuring like saucer type craft and that kind of thing. And that he, he's thinking it kind of um, predisposed the public to misinterpret the phenomenon, whatever it is, as, you know, interstellar mm-hmm. craft, that kind of thing. I mean, um, I, I know, I know that, uh, um, you know, the gray on the cover of, of the book Communion, mm-hmm. you know, oh. people have argued that that kind of predisposed people to be like, oh, I saw a gray. I saw that's, a gray. That yeah. scared me to death when I was a kid, that book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was the creepiest. It was like, oh. Oh, anyway. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. So so here we are. So it's 1947. Ziff Davis Publishing in Chicago. They put their foot down. They say, Palmer, we don't want you to publish any more Shaver content. And Palmer up and he leaves amazing stories. He goes on to found a number of other organizations and publications, um, including Fate Magazine. There's a great quote I found. It says, quote, from his desk in the fate offices, Palmer was at the center of three interlocking rings in a publishing Venn diagram, science fiction, the occult, underground, and flying saucers, which I just think is amazing. Yeah, um, definitely. I've got a copy of uh, an old fate magazine from, I think, 57. Ooh. And I actually only bought it because it has an oval window era VW bug on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is actually being, you know, there is a, a flying saucer above it. Oh, nice. And But at the time, I bought it at a VW swap meet because it's got a VW on the cover. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. And now here it is, you know, years later. And I'm like, I love it because it's got a UFO on it, too. 
And just kind of wrapping up the story of Shaver's life, we're getting in now to his, I guess you might call his twilight years, but this is the part of the story that I didn't know about until we started researching for tonight's episode. And this is the part that I started to fall in love with in a big way. So, <laughs> so Palmer and Shaver, they become neighbors in Wisconsin. And Shaver continues his association with Palmer. Palmer helps Shaver publish his 16-volume opus titled Hidden Worlds. 16 Wow. Yeah, Dang. pretty big. Um, eventually, Shaver relo- relocates to the Arkansas Ozarks. And in the 60s or so, he, be- he begins investigating something called rock books. And ladies and gentlemen, I love rock books. I am a new rock book enthusiast. I am the biggest homer <laughs> for rock books. Uh, because this is where Shaver goes from being just somebody who's interested in you know, the paranormal and, and whatnot, and kind of starts getting into the realm of the outsider artist, the folk artist. I have a big soft spot in my heart for those type of folks, you know, the people that make weird concrete statuary that's now roadside attractions somewhere, you know. Oh, um, Sam, you, you would love the Museum of Appalachia. Ah, uh, it is amazing. Is it really? It really is. It's got a lot of that kind of stuff in it. I, I love that stuff. So Shaver, he starts finding rocks on his farm or whatever and he starts getting the idea that these rocks with random patterns they were actually deliberately manufactured artifacts made by ancient races who lived on earth thousands of years ago and what he would do is he would slice these rocks with like i guess like a some sort of rock band slicing saw, device bandsaw something like this a and he rock starts slicing device. <laughs> rock slicing machine why not? exactly yeah. why not you know yeah exactly. cheese grater no cheese grater you know right um, and he starts, he takes these rock slices or slivers. He starts photographing them, enlarging projections of these rock slice sections. And he starts seeing within these patterns, he starts seeing faces, nude women, frolicking mermaids and mermen, prehistoric animals. And to him, these were really obvious and visible that he could see within the random patterns of the stones like crystalline composition. And he spent untold hours capturing these images on film and, and printing them on and, and actually, you know, making paintings out of them. And and these these texts, he's seeing texts within the rock crystals, and he calls them rock fogo. And for the past month as I've been researching this bizarre stuff, I just have fallen in love with rock fogo. I can't tell you how many times at work I'm I'm bored and I start singing the B fifty two song Rock Lobster, but <laughs> I just replaced the word rock lobster with rock fogo. Um, he, he, rock he, fogo. Yes, exactly. It's it's rock fogo. Um, and he even starts a rock book lending library through the mail where he would send sliced, polished agates with detailed descriptions of what writings and drawings and photographs he claimed were archived by these ancient uh, uh, races on the stones. And I just... And, and now his paintings, his, his rock photographs, they are um, avidly collected. They are in some of the world's finest museums and folk art collections. And he has, uh, years after his death, he dies in 1975, years after his death, there are museum exhibitions about his artwork. Um, and this also brings us back to the road to Hellier because mm-hmm. um, earlier we talked about the... Um, uh, the the book the secret cipher of the euphonauts and the claims of terry wrist who claims to have gone underground and, and and fought with these darrows well there's a part in wrist's claims where he talks about shaver's rock books and he goes on and says he says quote 
Those rocks, when sectioned and made into 35 millimeter slides, Shaver claimed they were the record of the antediluvian civilization on Earth, literally preserved in stone. When I got a hold of them, I resectioned the rocks, used an overhead projector, and came up in one of them with a map of that little area of North Georgia. And the cave entrance is clearly marked. So presumably the cave where he went in and shot up all those darrows, basically. Mm-hmm. So it the rock books brings us right back to Hellier, which is just amazing to me. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. There is there is something else, and 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 um, uh, I've I've heard in interviews with uh, Alan Greenfield. Uh, in fact, I just ordered up his latest book, Saucers and Saucerers. Oh, cool! Uh, which which should should be here tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, and but he he talks about like how into the whole shaver stuff terry wrist allegedly was to the Mm. point of alan having loaned terry all of his shaver research and having never gotten it back oh wow whoa yeah yeah so add add that into the mystery very interesting Mm. very interesting maybe 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 wrist just went underground and he is still down there may oh my god oh whoa okay okay every episode i feel like we have a moment where something kind of just clicks Mm. and i go wait a second what do you got i i am gonna go out on on the wackiest of limb here but and i'm i'm gonna try to see if i can have this make as much sense as it can we we talked i think last month about you know it it seems in hellier like terry wrist kind of either reaches out to people in one way or another and um kind of influences them to contact greg and dana right 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 um and so it's like okay so if 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 this then how is he doing that you know, um, or I, there have been um, uh, uh, live streams and stuff where, like, they're trying to remote view some, uh, or they feel it feels as though someone is trying to kind of like remote view them. Uh, and in at least in my own inferences, uh, I'm going, oh, it's Terry, you know, that they're either mm. trying to find or who is trying to find them. And I'm going, well, Okay. And just as I said, you know, oh, well, you know, maybe he's taken all this shaver stuff and he's gone literally underground, like permanently, so to speak. Maybe he's found this Darrow technology. Oh, wow. And is using it to beam, you know, his messages and his intentions and he's trying to manipulate things using that darrow technology man i never thought about that but you got and something it, there well that's that's just kind of where i went oh wait 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 what oh oh maybe like if we take if we take all this to be real and again we can absolutely debate how something is constituted as real because well i'll save it i've got i've got my little angle that i'll talk about in a sec here um but yeah Let's hold that thought, Seb. You finish your thought, and then I'll I'll jump back in. No, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much the the Shaver story. That's pretty much the Shaver mystery. You know, I mean, I think I think we've, uh, I mean, in terms of his his life story, I think that that essentially covers it. I mean, it's my understanding that there's there's not so much a a community ever more people who 
who take his claim his claims literally. I think he's more studied by folks who consider his story kind of a really interesting footnote in the in the more bigger story of the history of American science fiction writing. Basically, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what what do you what do you what do you, the both of you feel about the Shaver mystery, though? In, in, in... John, you go first. Um, I feel like when we were talking about how how he first came about. You know, it it was it was I'm the only one that can decipher this because it was mm-hmm. beamed into my I was getting a lot of um the start of uh Mormonism vibes okay. from that. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm picking up on it. So I was I was getting a lot of uh a lot of vibes on that. Um not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just the vibe I was nope, no, no. I was yep. getting. Um, well, I mean, I think I think you're onto something there because I think Shaver. You could almost say that Shaver was like. I think the closest analog to Shaver is like Elron Hubbard, because mm. because they because Hubbard started out as a science fiction author, yeah, and then he goes on to basically found a religion in a sense, you know. So there's that kind of mid 20th century American science fiction morphing into a religious kind of thing. You know, two different. Wow, look at that! Two different ties yeah. to two different religions. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, I, I, um, I don't know. I don't know what to think. <laughs> I think it's it's very interesting, and I guess as the poster says, I want to believe. Um, yes. And yeah, I think overall, especially like he went under the earth and found what I don't know, but I'm. Like I mentioned it before, this article about this sinkhole we found with a magical <laughs> land underneath it. Um, <laughs> granted, that one wasn't you know as far; it wasn't as deep underground as as these worlds. But hey, who knows? Yeah. I also just read something very interesting about how um, oh God, I was going to mention this off air, but who cares? Um, <laughs> how the um, how the ocean might be tied to space. Have you heard have you heard these theories yet where there might uh, be well, uh like I guess in ancient Egyptian times they thought the the sea was tied to the sky and apparently there's like a lot of things that that uh that throughout history people have said like I guess you know l- long story short portals in the ocean go to the sky or something like that you know so we would kind of go on to explain usos that way and the bermuda triangle and how when you look at uh when you look at um um goodness when you look at planes in the sky they kind of look far away they kind of look like boats swimming in the ocean stuff like that um okay so i mean who's to say that maybe there isn't something similar going on uh deeper underground So who knows? That's a new thing I just picked up on, and I went, "That's pretty crazy." And also, we've only discovered twenty percent of the ocean. So, yeah, yeah. And I think we also have to recognize just how absolutely awesome that fuzzy synth is. Oh, and yeah. I love it so much. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, well, what would you guys like next? Do you guys want my angle on this, or do you guys want some secret cipher hits of some of the terminology? I want it. I want it all, baby. Yeah. All right. And I, I, I don't know about anybody else. I just kind of heard a weird kind of digital hiss. Oh yeah, I heard it too. You heard it too. Yeah. Okay, that's 
that's interesting very interesting just, yes i'm, I'm gonna I'm, when i edit i'm gonna if that artifact is in the audio i'm just gonna leave that there so everyone else hears it well figure it out see if there's anything going yeah. on in there Oh boy, maybe we just got a download of information. Maybe. Um, so, okay, let me. Um, I, for whatever reason, when I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna look at some of some cipher hits. It always takes a bit of effort for me to kind of get going with it. Um, I don't know why, uh, but once I got into it, so here's Richard Shaver has a value of 128. So things from um, uh, the Book of the Law uh, that also equal 128. And I, I won't necessarily list off every, every single one because we'd be here all night. But for example, life and death, lust and worship. Interesting. Mm. Yep. Uh, um, uh, precious, rich jewels, sacred heart, scarlet woman, uh, swear by it, the beast, um, the ordeal X, which I think should be a rap. The ordeal X. The wow. Ordeal X. I like it. Yeah. Um, also, uh, war engine wickedness. This is a lot of strange ones. Um, Lemuria has a value of 101. Mm. Nice little palindrome there. Uh, the very, very first one that stood out is Am Heaven. Mm. Um, desires, Discover, Divine. Love it. Uh, double, Double Wand. Mm. Uh, 11. The word 11 also equals Lemuria, which is interesting because at 101, you know, if you take the zero out as just a null value, you literally have 11, 11 to yeah. one. Yeah. Or double wand. If you look at the ones in 101 as one, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things that I see. Um, let's see. Uh, is a curse. Is great. Is power. Uh, night of. And I went, well, night of pan. Yeah. Well, pan equals 41. Um, so maybe if there's something else out there that equals 41, I didn't dive down that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, Ray Palmer equals 115. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the first things that pops up for Ray Palmer, alienate mm. or despise, um, meanest, meanest. Uh, and yeah, meanest, like the most mean, mm. um, but also my spell show almost kind of like a, 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 yeah. Weaving a spell with his words. Not only that, Ray Palmer, which equals 115, also equals sweet words. <laughs> that's very interesting. It, al it also equals writing. Yeah, that's the one that that's one yeah. that stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. I threw in Atlantis. Value of 94. Look at that as one above 93. Yes. Um, bright, but also depart, destroy foolish word i am alone shall worship so deep right atlantis allegedly sank yeah oh yeah yeah so that those those are weird those are weird ones. Huh. um darrow has a value of 50 and 50 also equals are sad are sad are sad um cough c-o-p-h which if i'm remember uh correctly cough has uh uh something to do with death like a sarcophagus oh yeah mm. uh, but then we also have dread eat, yeah dread lie yep. yep um mm. now get this on the flip side tarot tarot equals 68 chosen uh fall not wow jesus mm. jesus equals 68 life palace proud um, so we get a lot of positive words. That's true. Darrow, we get we get some negative words with Darrow, which I find that's interesting. A, that's really interesting. Uh, through in Nydia, she equals fifty nine. 
Um, we get stuff like grave, ready, reward, shall be, shall not. But at the same time, we also get the law. Yeah. And as John has highlighted here, who am I? <laughs> yes. It's an interesting one. Interesting one. Uh, uh, thought records equals 171. Um, and we get some interesting ones here. One of my favorite is deep trance. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also droop down mine. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's necessarily intended originally as like a mind shaft. Yes. But in the context of everything else, going at just those three words, that's interesting. Um, Rituals. uh, No, sorry. Rituals. Right. W-R-I-T-E. Thought records. Rituals. Right. uh, Secret flame. Surpass the stars. The space mark. Oh. Space. uh, Space. Oh, man. The space mark. Oh, not only that, but also right unto us. Thought yeah. Records. Wow. It's an interesting one. That's a really interesting one. Uh, Mantong equals 92. Notice that is one less than 93. Yes. Um, accursed. Uh, I am known. Um, uh, million. Mockers. My wing. Um, not known. Mm. Uh, it also equals one one O N E O N E, which is kind of interesting with the connection with 11 from Lemuria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Mantong equals 92 also equals strain hmm. also equals the fools uh, to find undergo <clears throat> some interesting ones for that one two more and then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll torture you all with my thoughts on all this <laughs> Mount Shasta Mount Shasta is an interesting one it equals 123 123 um, so we get stuff like all in the dark that that sticks out to me for sure yeah like in the um, caves, it'd be dark, right? Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. Um, here's an interesting one. In Lock Lab. Mm. Uh, we, also get, we also get stuff that's a little spooky, like Let Blood Flow. Yes. I mean, at the same time, it, it is a dormant volcano. Yeah. Think of magma as the blood of the earth. Maybe it's that. Um, night Stars are kinsfolk. Um, interestingly enough, this being a mountain, pinnacles. Yeah. Uh, revealing... Uh, uh, let's see, Temple. Temple also equals 123. That I found really interesting. The Eyes, The Warrior. And again, now earlier we had Undergo. Now we have To Undergo, the infinitive <laughs> form mm. of the verb. Again, a lot of under language. And then lastly, I said, what the heck? Let's throw Amazing Story into the cipher. Has a value of 180. Um, and for, for that, we have stuff like All Ordeals, All Words and Signs. Wow. Uh, we also have stuff like bring the glory. Um, but then we also have stuff like death shall be lovely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we also have entrap thee. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the three, uh, we have gold in the light. Uh, interestingly enough, I love this one initiating yeah about initiation Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh as as a big thing on our our road to hell here so amazing stories equals 180 equals initiating um but then we also have like a law of the battle Um, Mm -hmm. we also have stuff like letter change which is interesting amazing stories ray palmer polishing up yeah the letter letter change Um, name of my house oh children under again we have that that under popping up again um this 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 next one just i mean i cackled out loud so again what um the the text that this pulls from with the cipher is uh an uh an oto text called the book of the law right 
So Amazing Stories equals 180 equals the Book of the Law. That's the big one. Yeah. So wow. that I found really kind of fascinating. Also, the Equinox, uh, uh, the Man of Earth, mm. right? The whole idea that Shaver was referring to Lemuria as, or Earth as Lemuria, mm -hmm. the Man of Earth. And here's Amazing Stories. Um, things of Sense, which I think when I put it down, seemed a li little bit more meaningful. But, uh, you know, but here are these things of either make, making sense or sensory experiences. Yeah, some really weird stuff. Um, so I always go, oh man, I, I need to do cipher hits for these, and I feel like it's yeah. a struggle. And then I start getting into it, and it's like, okay, these are getting weird. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, okay, a lot of these ones hit me. Yeah, yeah, right. Some of them are just like, okay, that's a little too on the nose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it seems to me as though the phenomena likes having a liminal space in which to work, whether that's a physical place like hotels or odd locations or like crossroads, or whether that's with particular people, people who are in trouble, crisis, homeless, between different phases of their lives. Mm. Shaver had both crises uh, in, uh, and time in hospital. To, to put him in this kind of liminal space. And so in, in my reasoning, this goes one of two ways. Either his mind creates this whole tale in order to cope with what he's experienced, right? It's a coping uh, in full respect to that if that's what it is, right? Because we all make our way through, right? Yeah. Or, or the phenomena took advantage of this liminal period to present him with this experience. Um, personally, I don't think he physically went anywhere. But much like the abduction experiment in Hellier, I think our conscious can travel or be made to think it is travel so regardless between the mind the self it perceives the experience to be real and so it is hmm. um where yeah. things get weird for me is when despite ray palmer reworking shaver's writing tons and tons of people begin reporting the same kinds of things now what are we to make of that is it just people being captivated by the writing and wanting to feel like they're part of something just as fantastical because mm. um, honestly the same thing has happened with the hellier crew they've gotten emails from people who um you know uh claim to be a part of something when you know kind of pressed for detail it kind of doesn't pan out it's like it's like they just like the cool and i i will want this kind of meaning in my life and so i'm trying to insert myself into this narrative mm. you know um or or do we have these experiences locked away within us had have we all been you know uh, Lemurians at some point are they past lives? That mm. is, is it is it like all connected somewhere on this like third order Schumann resonance frequency? Mm. You know, is it is it part of our own, for lack of a better term, collective consciousness, our 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 thought record? Mm -hmm. um, and and I think ultimately, you know, we 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 say what we say almost every month. I, I don't know, but I think what we come across in this, in terms of liminal spaces and how we perceive reality because reality is subjective to each of us because we each experience it in a way shaver has had his experience his way um and you know all we have now is that tale to make sense of because it is kind of at that almost legendary mythological level at which we kind of see this greater meaning that we connect to other things whether it be sinkholes in china whether it be um, you know, experiences by paranormal researchers in caves in Kentucky um, or other people with other experience. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, my my train of thought has reached the station. Apparently. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's it, it's a lot of food for thought. Uh, for sure. And it is it is again, it's it's something I said a few months ago and I, I like coming back to it. It is a beautiful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and I and I think as much as we can try to, I think we need to try to find those beautiful mysteries in life because there's a lot out there that's not at all beautiful. And right. And is, is very yeah. trying. Um so we try to take from it what we can, I think. Mm. Gentlemen, any mm. other thoughts? on Shaver before uh, Seb takes us deeper underground into the archives. <laughs> no, I have no further thoughts. <laughs> Do you have any other soundboard keys that you might bring? just kind of melted. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Creeping past 10 o'clock now, my brain is definitely kind of melted. Thank you, Carl. Um, anyway, well, with that, uh, every month, Seb is going to dig into the old-timey newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. Seb, what do we have this month? Taylor? Yes? John? Yes? I've got to tell you, sometimes we record the show and I find an old newspaper article and I'm I'm struggling. I'm searching for something and I find something at the last minute and I'm like, okay, this sounds weird. This month, I found a newspaper article about a story that I had never heard about. I want to know if you guys have ever heard about it. And I got more interested in this story than in the Shaver mystery, to the point that I'm trying to get coworkers at work like interested in figuring this thing out. <laughs> wow! So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into the Stockton Record newspaper of June nineteenth, nineteen thirty four. Headline: Stockton, California. Stockton, California, just down the road. Okay. 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 Eighty Stocktonians left behind in search for lost continent. Followers hold all night vigil for missing leader. On trip to find weird cave. What? Whoa! Eighty Stockton citizens today attempted to piece together reasons for the disappearance of J.C. Brown, seventy-nine-year-old geologist who had promised to lead them to the riches hidden by the lost race of Lemuria. No. Police too were interested and sought Brown for purposes of questioning. Brown began organizing a band of followers here six weeks ago after telling a Stockton newspaper man that in 1904 he had discovered a tunnel in the Cascade Mountains leading to a cavern filled with relics of an apparently lost race. Among them was John C. Root, retired printer living in Stockton at 1784 North San Joaquin Street. Root took Brown into his house and gradually an organization was formed with the purpose of participating in an expedition and exploration of Brown's cave. By the way, I'm summarizing the article. It's really long. I'm not reading the whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm, okay. Because I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh man, we are going to be here until 11. No, 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 no. No, this is just the highlights. Okay, okay. Yeah, but we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to, you know. Totally. Leaving Root's home yesterday morning, Brown left word that a surprise awaited his followers if they would gather at the Root home at 1 p.m. People began arriving before noon, and most of them remained until early morning. Brown failed to return. Brown had claimed that he had photographs and other proof of his discovery in a Texas bank. So far as police or the writer have been able to discover, Brown never asked for one cent while in Stockton. So presumably he's not like trying to get rich off these people. Brown's original story as told to a representative of the record newspaper a month and a half ago, quote, I found this cave while working in the Cascade Mountains for the Lord Cowdray Mining Company of England. I noticed a section in the rock face of a cliff which did not jibe with the formation of the rest of the mass. After removing the rock, I entered a tunnel which curved downward. 
three miles from the mouth of the tunnel, which was seven feet wide and ten feet high, I struck a cross-section where this ancient race apparently had mined copper. And eleven miles inside the mountain, I struck what I call the village, two rooms filled with copper and gold tablets, another room containing many weapons. Streets were laid out in the village. In one long room were laid at angles to the wall 27 skeletons, the smallest of which was six feet six inches, six inches, and the tallest more than 10 feet. In another room lay apparently embalmed by some secret process the bodies of a man and woman dressed in royal robes who I believe were the king and queen of this race. There were, I believe, 13 statues made of copper and gold. Because there were a glow to three of these statues, I believe they used radium. My wish is to enlist a corps of trained people whom I shall pay well for their services to assist me in cataloging these specimens. I want the relics in this cave to remain intact. Now, that's the newspaper article, right? By itself, that's just amazing stuff. That's like Chester Copperpot Goonies stuff going on. Yeah, totally. Now, here's the part that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up on end. Over 70 years after Brown disappeared, a researcher claimed to have discovered that the house where Brown and his group met, 1784 San, North San Joaquin Street in Stockton, California, oh, was seven. across... I'm looking at Google Maps right now, too. Oh, my God. It, this house was across the street from another house where lived the in-laws of a Mr. John Benjamin Body. And Body was a retired engineer who worked for the British mining magnate and nobleman, Wheatman Dixon Pearson, Lord Cowdrick. What a name. So, man, I don't know. I just, I, I fell into this hole. Literally, a rabbit hole deep into the heart of a mountain in the Cascades that, uh, I don't know, I just blew my mind. My mind was blown. So, have you guys ever heard of this story? No. I've never heard of any of this. Never. That's it blew my mind. I just... Wow. I, I just Google mapped uh, that address as you were hmm. telling the story. And it is, um, it, it looks like it's kind of an older neighborhood. Hmm. Uh, it, it's some of the homes there seem to kind of look to be about as old as like, like the ones in the neighborhood you and I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's certainly, it, wow, this is interesting. Like we, we might have to make this something of a project. I mean, this could be an episode at some point, you know? Yeah. This, yes. Um, I, I like this idea very much. Like, mm-hmm. once we kind of get through the rest of our road, um, I have never, I have never heard of it. I've never heard of it either. I have, I have coworkers who are from Stockton and they're like, man, I, this is crazy. I've never heard this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know people who live in like Stockton and just below there in Lodi and stuff, but mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I would be very curious to, um, you know, make, make a trip out to that address. And mm-hmm. I, I would be curious to throw some of this stuff into the cipher. Oh, for sure. Yeah. As well. And do a little bit of research that way too. Um, maybe reach out to, oh gosh, I don't know. Seb, you're probably in the best position to, you know, dig a little deeper with newspapers and stuff on this. Oh, I, I want to, because the thing is this story, the articles that I found don't mention Mount Shasta by name, but it's people connect this legend to Mount Shasta. So I think there might be other newspaper articles yeah. that where yeah. he actually talks about where in the Cascade Mountains. But I mean, yeah. the story is so is much bigger than... Range. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it might be Mount Shasta. I'm not sure, but wow. Um, yeah, that, okay. that kind of... Uh, this is this might be your best one yet, Seb. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Thank you. Wow. <laughs>
<laughs> wow. Oh, Wild. man. This is, this is interesting. And, and June 19th is coming up. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's coming up this yeah. month. 1934, man. We are almost, what would that be? 90 years out. And who knows? Maybe descendants of the Root family still live in that home, you know? I I don't know. There's there's research to be done. Yeah, for sure. There's man. This is hopefully exciting everybody else's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, this is yeah. This is interesting. Man. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I guess I got to do an outro. I'm busy going like, hmm. What about this? What about this? <laughs> um, and and despite my mind uh, running off in a mile a minute, that is it for this month. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day, as well as 90 years ago, as well as deep underground. Yes, I am too. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have an experience you want to share with us, or if you have questions, please email us at allnightgmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at allnightgeeks. You can follow me at busbuddha 71 You can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. And you can follow Mr. John over here at JP Thrice. Heck yeah. Um, Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, apples, Spotify, uh, something else. Uh, and be sure to rate and review us as well. Um, just as importantly, please share us with your friends. Word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around. And we'd appreciate it if you told at least one friend about the podcast. As always, we want to give massive thanks to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from their album Midnight in America as our intro and outro music. Please give them a follow on the social medias and hit up the Ghoulies Denver bandcamp.com to buy their music um we've got merch that's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash n-o-t-l-g that's right shirts buttons stickers tote bags probably tank tops because you know we're getting into those hot months uh go check that out thanks as always to kate the steam-powered mouse for doing the show's artwork um obviously and i will vouch for it we are still very much in a pandemic despite what everybody else would like you to believe um holy moly cases at the schools and the whatnots and the oh boy yeah it's you know it's important to help out local artists and businesses every way you can please support them first uh, buy from them uh tweet them out instagram them out uh tell friends about them but hey if you want to also throw us a few bones we won't tell you no you can do that over at patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g that is it for us this month uh we will catch you next month i'm not going to say what we're doing just yet uh we that as a surprise it'll be fun uh, and in the meantime get out and find something weird go out to stockton maybe good night good night folks good night But this, like, in all seriousness, this is this is crazy. 